Hey, I'm Brandon, the online campus pastor here at Big Valley Grace, and thank you for taking a moment to watch this message. It is the teaching portion from one of our live weekend worship gatherings, and we have those every single weekend here online and in person, and I just want to extend an invitation to you to join us. We're just a local church, local body of believers, and we would love if you would join us uh, on a weekend upcoming here sometime soon. Uh, but as we get headed into this message together, a couple things just want to point you to. One is a connect card. If there's any way that, that we can pray for you, if you want to contact us, that connect card form is just a really great way uh, to let us know that you're joining us. Any next steps you want to take, stuff like that is right on there. Also, if you want to bring in offering, a worshipful gift uh, to King Jesus, you can do that right on our give page on our website or via text. So hope you enjoy the unpacking, the unfolding of the word as we look at it together. Well, I also want to wish you a happy new year on this second day of, of the new year. How are you guys doing today? Awesome. It's good to be together. It's great to start off the year with a weekend coming together to worship Jesus Christ. And I'm excited to do that. You know, December was an incredible month in the life of Big Valley Grace Community Church with so many people publicly standing to proclaim that they were placing their hope in Jesus Christ. And if you are here and you made a decision to place your hope in Jesus Christ this last month, we want you to know, welcome back. We're glad that you're here. We want to continue to walk with you as you're placing your hope in Jesus, Jesus as God and Savior of your life. And we're excited to continue to walk with you. And so welcome back. We're glad that you're here. If it is your very first time here, whether you're here in the Modesto campus in the worship center here or you're with us online with our online campus right now live, if you are here for the very first time, we want you to know, great choice, all right? Good decision and we're glad you're here and kicking off the new year by coming to church was a great idea. And so well done and welcome. We hope that today is an incredible encouragement to you and as you leave today, you leave filled up and you leave encouraged for what is ahead that you're gonna face as you walk out from this place today. And so we're really glad that you're here, welcome. We're gonna be in the book of Proverbs in the month of January and the challenge is really this simple. I challenge you to look at your calendar and my calendar's right here, it says it's the second. Today's the second to open up the book of Proverbs and to turn to that chapter and read that chapter. And so that's my challenge to you in the month of January. It is very simple. You just open up your calendar, you look at the date, you open up the book of Proverbs, you go to that chapter and you read that chapter. And if you don't have a Bible, we wanna give you a Bible. Right after the gathering, we have a room here we pray for people in. It's called the altar room. It's just the name of the room. And we have Bibles in there. It's our free gift to you. We want you to have a copy of the Word of God. And my challenge would be that not only would you read that chapter in the book of Proverbs on that date, but you would influence others to do the same. And you would invite others into this challenge with you. So that not only you're reading it, but others, you're reading it with others. And together as a church family in the month of January, we'll read through the book of Proverbs just one chapter at a time on the calendar day. So we're gonna begin here. I'll explain what this is in a moment. We're gonna begin here in chapter one. Chapter one in the book of Proverbs explains what the book is about. 
and explains it very upfront, very simply at the beginning. And we want to walk through that before we get into our text for today. It begins by saying the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. So King Solomon is writing these Proverbs. King Solomon was the son of King David, Israel's greatest king. And so King Solomon is writing these Proverbs. These Proverbs were then collected and they've been gathered together into the book in the Bible of what we now know as Proverbs, the whole book. In verse two, it explains in verse two through verse four what the purpose of the Proverbs are. And it explains four purposes, okay? And we're gonna walk through what each one of those are. I feel the same way sometimes, by the way. I just tell you, I have those days, okay? And then I go for a cup of coffee and it's, everything gets better. So we're with you, buddy. We're with you, all right? It's all good. Everything's cool. I got a bunch of kids in my family. Noise is not a problem to me, all right? The first is to know. To know. It says to know. To know what? To know wisdom and instruction. To know. So when you open up your calendar and you turn to that chapter in the book of Proverbs, you can understand that one of the purposes for you to read that chapter on that day is to know some things. To know wisdom and instruction. It goes on to say to understand. That's another purpose for the Proverbs. To understand. To understand words of insight. So when you open up your calendar and you turn to that chapter in the book of Proverbs, you can know that the purpose of you reading that chapter that day is to understand some things. To understand some words of insight. Another purpose is to receive to receive instruction in wise dealing, to receive instruction in righteousness, to receive instruction in justice, to receive instruction in equity. So when you open up your calendar and you turn to that chapter in the book of Proverbs on that day, you can understand that you're gonna receive some things as you read that chapter in the book of Proverbs. You're gonna receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, in justice, and in equity. And then the fourth purpose we see in verse four, to give, to give, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. So again, when you open up your calendar and you open up to that chapter in the book of Proverbs, you can understand there's some purposes for reading that chapter. The purpose is to know and to understand, to receive and to give. And may that be a great encouragement to you every day that you read a chapter, that there's a purpose for you to read it, to know and to understand, to receive and to give. And then in verse five, we see the encouragement that since the Proverbs have these purpose, we should let the purpose of the Proverbs have their purpose in our life. In verse five, it says, let the wise hear. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands, obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. In other words, as the Proverbs have a purpose, God's word has a purpose. And as the purpose of God's word is applied to your life, let the purpose of God's word have its full effect in your life. 
God has something he wants to accomplish through his word in your life. The question is, will you let him? Will you let him accomplish his purpose through his word in your life? And which is why in verse five, it just starts with the word let. Let, let God do what he wants to do through his word in your life. Let the word of God do the work of God in your life. And then in verse seven, we see the key. It's the key to the whole thing. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's it right there. That is the key that unlocks the whole thing. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. There are two types of people. One type of person fears the Lord and that person experiences the beginning of knowledge. There's a second type of person and that type of person does not fear the Lord and that type of person's experience is a fool who despises wisdom and instruction. And so the encouragement would be to live in the fear of the Lord. Because when you live in the fear of the Lord, you're at the beginning of wisdom, or you're at the beginning of knowledge. But when you, if you refuse to live in the fear of the Lord, then you're gonna live like a fool who despises wisdom and instruction. And that's a bad plan. And then in verse eight, so, so far, it's been very general. It's been, you know, to the masses. But verse eight, it gets super personal. Because in verse eight, it says, hear my son. Hear my son. So King Solomon now, he directly addresses his child. Hear my son. Hear my son, your father's instructions. Dad has some things he wants to share with you, son. Your father has some things he wants to share with you. Forsake not your mother's teaching. Mom has some things she wants to tell you. Mom has some things she wants to give you. And so here, your dad and your mom are here, and we're asking, son, would you listen? Would you hear? Would you hear our instruction? Would you not forsake the teaching that we want to give you? Do you hear the heart of a parent just coming out? Why? For they are a graceful garland for your head. In other words, we're trying to put a crown on your head. We're trying to bless you, son, child. We're trying to bless you. As your parents, you're our child. We wanna, we wanna put like a crown on your head, like a graceful garland on your head. We wanna wrap your neck with expensive jewelry, like pendants, your neck. We actually want to bless you. We want to give you good gifts. So as your parents, kid, we're trying to impart blessing on you. Do you hear the heart there? As you open up your calendar and you turn to that chapter in the book of Proverbs in the month of January, may you see it like your heavenly father is trying to bless you. Your heavenly father, if you will, is wanting to put a crown on your head and wrap your neck with expensive jewelry as your heavenly father is giving you the gift of his word into your life. And I would encourage you to read it in that way, to really receive from God, your heavenly father, the good gifts your heavenly parent wants to give you and bless you with. 
So now we're gonna jump forward to chapter three. With chapter three is we're gonna be our text that we're gonna teach from today. And chapter three starts in the same way that we just ended with this parent's heart for their child. And chapter three begins with the words, my son. So here we, here we go again. And, and this happens a number of times in the Proverbs and King Solomon now just specifically calling out his own child. My son, do not forget my teaching. Here we, that, here we see that again. But let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. I mean, do you hear the heart of a father wanting their child, the heart of a parent wanting the child to have length of days, years of life, to experience peace in their life? And then there's an instruction in verse three, let, you see that word let again, let, like let these, let these proverbs have their purpose in your life. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. And that bind them around your neck, that doesn't mean go wring somebody's neck with the proverb. Don't, that's not what it means. You know, go wring someone's neck with the word of God. Bind them around your neck. It's a term of strength and structure in steadfastness and intimacy and closeness and it's a part of your being. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. In other words, open up to the inner part of who you are at your core and let the word of God be actually written on the core of your being. That you would allow the word of God to sink down deep into the innermost place of who you are as a person. Why? So you will find favor. So you will find good success. So you will find favor and good success in two arenas. In the sight of God and in the sight of man. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Doesn't that sound like the heart of any parent for their child? And as you open up your calendar and you turn to that chapter in the book of Proverbs, may you read it with that heart, like the heart of God for you, that you would find God's favor and you would find the success that God has for you as you are living in his sight, in the sight of God and in the sight of all of God's creation. And yet you'd really see this as this is an opportunity for God to bless your life, to receive from God all that he wants to give you as you read his word. Now, what is this? This is a jar. It's a jar full of paper. And the reason this jar is full of paper is because my family has a tradition. We have done this for many years. At the beginning of the year, the jar is empty. And as things happen during the year, things that are momentous, things that are things we celebrate, or maybe they're hard things that happen, um, maybe they're achievements, uh, whatever it is, we begin to write them down on pieces of paper and we fill up the jar throughout the year. Then we get to New Year's Eve, we open the jar up, we take out all the pieces of paper, and we distribute them, and we read them all aloud on New Year's Eve. And so on Friday, on New Year's Eve, we did that. 
We took out these, all the papers that were in here. We distributed them among, well, there's 11 people in my family. So there's a lot of reasons to put things in a jar throughout the year. And uh, it took us about an hour to read through all the cards as a family of 11 on Friday night. It was a great time. A few reasons why this is amazing to do. One, it reminds us of all the good things God has done in our family through the year. And many of them, honestly, we'd forgotten about because we kind of just moved on. There's a lot of people and there's a lot of movement and we're kind of on to the next thing and 12 months is a long time. And so this was a great moment to remember some great things that God had done in our family. Some of them are simple. They were, you know, something that an achievement in, in school for a child or an achievement in sport. Some of them uh, were funny. We ended up laughing a lot. Some of them were embarrassing. We skipped over those because the point of this wasn't to embarrass anybody. But there were some embarrassing ones in there. But the, the whole point of it was just to really celebrate what God has done in our family, you know, our little family of 11 over the last, you know, 12 months. So I pulled out three of them. I'll share three of them with you and they'll give you some examples. This one right here uh, is about one of my children. And what's written on this card represents something with one of my children that actually is gonna impact this child for their entire life, something that we discovered in this last year. This is gonna be a big deal for this child for their entire life. Some of the ones that were in here were not big deals, but this one, this one was a big deal. This one right here, <clears throat> this one represents a really cool moment that happened when God ripped open the doors wide open for us to share the gospel with our next door neighbor. In fact, God has allowed us to point our next door neighbor and multiple people in that home to Jesus Christ over the last few months. And we were celebrating and this was an opportunity for us to thank God again for how he'd opened up doors for us to point people to Jesus Christ right in our own neighborhood this last year. And on Friday night, we had the opportunity to celebrate that. This third one, this one was different. It was the only one like it in the entire jar. It was just a Bible verse with a date. And this is what it says. Do not withhold good when it's in your power to act. And that's from Proverbs chapter three, which is why we're gonna teach from Proverbs chapter three. And as I teach from Proverbs chapter three, it's my point to really explain why this ended up in the jar for my family as my wife and I prayed through this passage this last year. It was a passage we prayed through many times and God used to guide us, to help us to be obedient to him. And so Proverbs chapter three, verses 27 and 28, we're gonna skip to the end of the, book, of the chapter three and then we'll come back to the middle of it. Proverbs three, verse 27 and 28 says this. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. It was back in March, we challenged our church family to do a victory walk. In other words, walk through your neighborhood and claim your neighborhood for victory for Jesus Christ. Look at a home and pray for it and ask God to be victorious in that home. So you see a family, 
Pray for that family and ask God to have victory in that family, that people would be one to Jesus Christ, that your neighborhood would experience victory in Jesus Christ, that God would have his way in your neighborhood and claim your neighborhood for Christ. Well, when my wife and I began walking through our neighborhood and praying through our neighborhood, we began to see our neighborhood differently. We began to think about our neighborhood differently. We began to think about our neighbors differently. We began to see things in our neighborhood we had not seen before. God opened our eyes to see some things in our neighborhood that were there the whole, way, the whole time, but we had not paid any attention to them as we were spending time praying for our neighborhood. Well, in the process of praying for our neighborhood this last year, God brought one need to the forefront in a, in a very special way with my wife and I. And we began to pray very specifically about that need that we saw in our neighborhood. And the purpose of what I'm gonna do this morning to teach through this passage is not to bring recognition or attention to the action that we took, but to bring attention to the process of prayer that we went through as we prayed through this passage for the purpose that you might also pray through this passage and you might also discover what God would have you to do as you see the needs that are around you and as you're praying about how God would use you in your neighborhood. So when we consider the good that God has for us to do, which is what this passage is about. Do not withhold good. I'm gonna break this into three considerations for godly good. Three considerations for godly good. So three things to consider as you're considering what is the good that God would have me do, okay? Consideration number one is ability. Ability. This is about the capability to provide good to another person, considering do I have ability? It says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. So my wife Sarah and I began to pray through this verse. Again, we recognized a need that was in our neighborhood, a very specific need. It was a big need. It was a big need. And we began to very specifically pray about it. And we began to pray about this word good. We began to ask God, God, do we possess good? What is the good that we have? What is the good that you have given us? And we began to pray through that. Lord, do we possess, do we possess good? Then we began to pray about this word do. And we began to ask this very specifically. Does the neighbor that we see who is in need, are they do the good that we possess. We began to pray very specifically about that neighbor. God, is this neighbor do the good that we possess? Which is a really interesting thing to pray about, especially as a Christian in California, where we like everything to be about property lines and fence lines and my stuff's my stuff and your stuff is your stuff and let's not mix it, all right? And so we began to pray through that and that was a great thing to pray through. God, is this neighbor that we see who has a need, are they do the good that we have? Then we began to pray about this word power. And God, do we actually have the capability to do something about it? We see this need in our neighborhood, but do we have the power? Do we have the power to do anything about it? Do we have the capability to do anything about it? Because it says when it's in your power to do it. So we began to pray about that. 
And as we prayed about the good that we have and is our neighbor do it and do we have the power, do we have the capability to do it, God led us to answer yes. And so we began to pray about this word withhold because it says do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it's in your power to do it. Do not withhold. So we began to pray through the word withhold. And as we spent time praying through this passage and praying about the need that was in our neighborhood and the neighbor that it was attached to, we determined that we should not withhold the good that we have that is due that neighbor because it's in our power to do something about it. So we asked, what do we do next? And that brought us to consideration number two, which is availability. And this is about the opportunity to now provide good to another person. Do we have availability to do something? The passage goes on in verse 28 to say, do not say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. So Sarah and I began to pray about this part of it. And we began to pray specifically about the word with, because it says when you have it with you. Okay, God, do we actually have in our possession right now the good that we believe is due our neighbor, that we have the power and we're not wanting to withhold, do we actually have it with us right now? And so we prayed through that. Then we prayed through this word go. Because the way this word's being used in this, in this verse is do not say to your neighbor go. In other words, don't send your neighbor away. Now our neighbor didn't know we were praying about any of this. We hadn't talked to our neighbor about it. So our, we weren't telling our neighbor go away. But God knew we were praying about it. And so it was before God we were having to ask, you know, should we say, you know, go away or not? Should we delay in doing something about this need? Should we delay in taking action? So we began to pray through that. And after we prayed through these two verses, God led us to become obedient to these verses regarding this specific need and that specific neighbor. So when we got done praying, we got up right then and we went to our neighbor and we gave them the good that we believed was due to them, that we had in our power, that we thought we should not withhold, that we should not tell them go, even though we hadn't told them anything, but we shouldn't tell them go away. We're not gonna give it to you because we had it with us right then. So we, we did it right then. And I wanna explain to you why. And that brings us to consideration number three, and it's about accountability. And this is gonna bring us back to the middle of chapter three. This is about the responsibility to provide good to another person. Who am I accountable to? Am I accountable to myself? Am I accountable to my wife? Am I accountable to the neighbor? Am I accountable to some other person? Who is it that I'm accountable? Well, ultimately, I'm accountable to God. You are accountable to God. God holds us accountable. And God holds us accountable in a number of ways. I wanna explain how in this chapter, it explains some of the ways God holds us accountable. God holds us accountable to trust him. That's one of the ways that God holds us accountable. God holds us accountable to trust him. In Proverbs chapter three, verse five, it says, trust in the Lord with your, all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Do not lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. And in this situation, my wife and I, our own, we prayed about that word, our own understanding. We didn't see how it all made sense. We didn't see how it all made sense for us to do something about this need with our neighbor. We didn't see the whole picture. Our own, in our own understanding, it didn't make sense. So we couldn't lean on our own understanding. 
We need to lean on something different than our feelings. We need to lean on something that was gonna be true and that would not let us down. So we leaned on the word of God and we prayed through the word of God, which is what I'm explaining the process of how we prayed through this passage. We wanted to lean on him. And it says lean because when things are hard, you need something to put some pressure up against. And so we needed to be able to put some pressure up against something that wasn't gonna fail us. So we put pressure up against the word of God so that we would find out what it is, what we were supposed to do. And it says trust. Well, trusting is releasing control. And we prayed that God would help us in that situation to release control and to really trust God and to obey his word and to trust him for the outcome, to trust him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. God holds us accountable to trust him. God also holds us accountable to acknowledge him. God holds us accountable to acknowledge him. In verse six, it says, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. So as my wife and I prayed through this situation of this need we saw with a neighbor in our neighborhood and what we should do about it, we prayed in this way, God, this is about you. This is about acknowledging you. This is about recognizing you in the need. And God, we wanna see you in this situation. We wanna see you in this circumstance. We wanna see you in the middle of this need. And so God, help us to acknowledge you. Help us to recognize you in this situation. And God, help us to take a step of faith. And God, will you make sure our foot lands in the right place? In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. So God, we wanna trust you in this situation and we're willing to take a step of faith but we're not sure where our foot's supposed to land, so we need you to make straight our paths. God's holding himself accountable to make sure your path ends up straight, but he's holding you and I accountable to acknowledge him. How our feet end up in the right place is his problem. How our heart ends up in the right place is our problem. And we're to turn our heart to him and acknowledge him and trust that he's gonna make the path straight. He's gonna lead us. He's gonna guide us. God is holding us accountable to acknowledge him. God's also holding us accountable to fear him. And this is not about being immobilized because we're afraid and we're scared. This is about honoring him and respecting him and revering him as sovereign God, creator God, God over all, God over the entire universe. To fear him as the one who is over our lives and to live in submission to sovereign God. God holds us accountable to fear him. In verse seven and eight in Proverbs chapter three, it says, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Be not wise in your own eyes. So one of the things that Sarah and I prayed about is God help us to be faithful to you. Help us to be faithful to you. Help us to be found faithful in your eyes. This is not about our eyes. This is not about how we see ourselves. This is not about how our neighbor sees us or how any of you see us. It's about God, how you see us. 
God, you're the one seeing us. Help us to be living in the fear of you because you are the one who is looking at our lives. In addition to reading Proverbs, in my daily reading, I'm in Hebrews now. And yesterday morning, in Hebrews chapter four, verse 13, it says this. No creature is hidden from his sight. No creature is hidden from his sight. But all are naked. But all are naked. And exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Every one of us will stand before somebody and give an account. And the somebody we will stand before is not the person sitting next to you. It's not me. It's not your neighbor. It's not any of us. We're all going to stand before God and give an account to God. And as my wife and I prayed about this situation, we prayed, God, what would you have us do so that when we stand before you, we will have done what you asked? Because it's about what God sees. It's not about what anyone else sees. It's about what he sees. Be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment for your bones. God holds us accountable to fear him. And God also holds us accountable to honor him. God holds us accountable to honor him. The passage continues in Proverbs chapter three, verses nine and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My wife and I for a long time have prayed about this concept of first fruits in our life. Let me give you some words to help explain first fruits. It's your first, best, freshest stuff. That's what first fruits is. It's your first, best, freshest stuff. And asking God, we understand that you have given us everything that we have. Everything we have has come from you. How can we give you back our first, best, freshest stuff? that we would honor you with the first, best, freshest stuff that we have. And in this situation where we saw this need that was in our neighborhood, and it was a big need with one of our neighbors. As we prayed about this situation, where God led us to in a place of prayer was it was not about the action of giving a gift to a neighbor. God led us to a place where this was about giving a gift to God. It was about an act of worship. It was about worshiping God and giving God a gift. And yes, did we take an action that impacted for the benefit of somebody else? Yes, but it was not about that. It was about the worship of Jesus Christ and giving God a gift and looking at it as a gift to the Lord. To honor the Lord and to give him the best, to give them the first best, freshest stuff we got. And then in giving God the first best to trust him for everything else, to give God your first best and to trust him for the rest and to let him take care of the rest, but to show up and give him the first best, give him the freshest stuff and to let God take care of the rest of the, the, rest of the whole picture. God holds us accountable to honor him. So as we consider this passage 
and doing godly good. You know, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it's in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Here's a question I want us to consider. Am I available? Am I able for godly good? Am I available for godly good? Am I accountable for godly good? I want to encourage you to ask that question of yourself. And if you, if you ask this question, am I able, available, and accountable for godly good, and you come up with the answer no, I would encourage you to reconsider. I think it's a bad plan. But if you ask yourself this question, am I able, available, and accountable for godly good, and you come up with the answer yes, then I wanna encourage you in this way. I wanna remind you about the vision that we're going after as a church, the vision to go love our actual neighbor. And this means every member of the body of Christ being led by the power of the Holy Spirit of God to evangelize and disciple our actual neighbors and to lead them to do the same. I wanna encourage you to stand as we close and I wanna challenge you with this thought. In 2022, how are you gonna fill up the jar? How are you gonna fill up the jar with the opportunities that God has for you to where you get done with the end of this 365 days and you have a jar that is full of the opportunities that God has led you into in this year? That when you get done at the end of this year, you'd be able to pull out of the jar, if you will, all of these memories of how God has provided opportunity for you to honor him an opportunity for you to serve him, an opportunity for you to love him, an opportunity for you to love others for him, that you'd get done with the end of a year and you'd have a jar of testimony of the goodness of God in how God has worked in your life in this year, that you would fill it up with the good things that God has planned for you in 2022. Father God, Lord, thank you for this opportunity to come together. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to start this year off right with a weekend worshiping you. Thank you, Lord, for this first weekend of the year to come together to sing, to remember you in communion across all our campuses as a family of God to acknowledge you and to trust you. So Lord, do a good work, not just in our own lives, but do a good work in us as a church. That for us as a church, when we get to the end of this next year, we're gonna have a jar full of the goodness of God, the opportunities that you provided for us. So Lord, help us every step of the way. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen.